This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It is um, Monday. 23 October, Year of Our Lord, 2023. Uh, let's get into it. I got Carolyn Rent. Carolyn, or Caroline, how you doing? Caroline, I'm doing I didn't want to say anything, but I, Caroline, I didn't want to say anything, but I think you, I, I hate to bring up internal war room business, but I think you missed your hit on Saturday morning at the CPAC <laughs> strategy meeting. I, I just, well, first I, of all, I, I had you on the Can stage. I have a little bit of a on, break here? <laughs> And you have we to had think an of the time difference, lineup. all right? Like, you just think I could show up at 7 a.m. There's a lot of process here. I have to shower, get ready, and you just, you know, you schedule <laughs> these things at the wrong times. <laughs> if it was a 5 p.m. hit, okay, I could have been just, there. <laughs> we had a we had a full we had a we had an all star cast. Uh, Carolyn was going to join us, but um, we just had Laura Loomer on. We spent almost 30 minutes, a couple of segments on the situation. Here's the reason. This Tom Emmer, and I want to get the Warren Posse up to date on what's happened today. I mean, it has been a barrage from the Emmer team saying that essentially he had a great call with President Trump. President Trump thought he was a great guy, terrific. He's going to look forward to working with him as speaker. And, of course, one of the senior Trump officials just told Laura before she came on the show, I said, hey, look, it was a courtesy call. It was short. It was to the point. It was fine. It was no big deal. Why is Emmer going out of his way to try to um, press the fact that he is not the railhead of never Trumpism in the House of Representatives? Because he's the railhead of never Trumpism in the House of Representatives. Uh, in fact, the congressman has called multiple clients of mine asking them to see if they can get Caroline Wren to back off a little bit. And I think the answer that I've heard is that they can't get Caroline Wren to do anything, which is a good answer because there's no chance I'm backing down on this. And because he, Tom Emmer is wrong. I mean, Tom Emmer is anti-Trump, full stop. He did not endorse Trump in the 2016 primary. He refuses to endorse Trump right now. He'd never defended Trump during the DOJ indictments. He's refused to subpoena Jack Smith or to defund that investigation. I mean, he went to candidates in 2022 as the NRCC chair and told them to distance themselves from Donald Trump. He told donors as recently as four months ago not to donate to Donald Trump and that he'll never support him. So uh, forgive me if I don't all of a sudden find it very genuine of him to be calling Trump and Trump supporters and trying to paint himself as a Trump supporter. It's total BS. We see right through it. The War Room Posse sees right through it. He can make all the phone calls he wants. He should kiss up to Donald Trump. Go ahead. I, I hope he endorses Trump. Great. That doesn't change the fact that he should not be the Speaker of the House. Yeah. That's it. I want to go back because my concern is that we're, this is just not even about the Speaker. It's, it, it, as big as that is, and that's massive, it's actually even deeper, and I have a concern about this. As you remember, our theory of the case in 2020 was that, and I was a big advocate that uh, you could not certify the Biden electors in certain states. It was just too messed up and too many, too many unanswered questions. I never really believed that they would then certify Trump electors. I always said from the beginning, 
according to the Electoral Count Act of 1877, this will be kicked in. Uh, this will be or 1887. This will be kicked in to the House of Representatives, of which we would win 27-23. But upon hindsight, Liz Cheney being the sole member of Wyoming probably wouldn't have voted for us. But we would still win because you vote by state party delegation. One of my concerns with the poison of Tom Emmer, and I want to make sure you emphasize this audience, how he was telling I me mean, he got rid of the Joe Kents of the world, right? right. Uh, he got rid of Majewski. He got rid of all these, all these. They didn't support people that were hardcore Trump. You could have a problem here with infestation in the House under the guidance of a guy like Emmer that would not, if it comes to this, and we have to plan for the fact it may be a tie. I think we can win in a landslide, but if we don't, we have to, we have to, we have to think about every contingency. We could be in a right. situation with the House of Representatives that we control, but you've got some of these Emmerites there that are virently never Trump, ma'am. Yep. You know, it was an Emirate. I was thinking about this, was Liz Cheney. I was thinking back to, I was helping organize a fundraiser for Harriet Hageman back when Harriet was in this heated primary against Liz Cheney. And we were all calling different members of Congress and asking them to put their name on it. And believe it or not, McCarthy was one of the people organizing this fundraiser. It was a fundraiser at Jeff Miller's apartment. And Jeff Miller, of course, is the, the lead kind of political guy for McCarthy. And, you know, we got over 100 members of Congress to put their name on this invitation. And rarely do members of Congress go after another one. You know who absolutely refused to put their name on the invite and didn't come? Tom Emmer. And it just, like, was another example. As I'm thinking back, people are asking me, why are you so anti-Emmer? And it's not like nobody's paying me to be. There's not some outside influence. Like, it's personal experiences of things that I have personally witnessed over the past six years. Well, that Emmer makes unacceptable to be our Speaker of the House right now. And we cannot afford to have a Speaker of the House that refuses to endorse Donald Trump right now. Or what happens when that person has to enact President Trump's agenda in 2025? Emmer's going to fight him every single step of the way. And we already have McConnell on the Senate side. It's like, what are we, if we just put in Tom Emmer as Speaker and Mitch McConnell as Majority Leader, and let's say, thank, praise God, we get Trump back in the White House, what are we even all doing here? These are the people that stopped him at every single step that they had to. And he's already going to be up against a militant leftist party that's on the march on top of the globalist. And then our own Speaker of the House, a majority leader we're going to have to fight. It's so short-sighted. It's idiotic. And so I've, I'm very hopeful that he's going to lose tomorrow. I think there are enough Trump supporters in Congress that are going to say, yeah, no way, I'm not going to do this. But we have to hammer it. If you're a War Room Posse member, you need to call your members and say, a vote for Tom Emmer is a vote to send billions to Ukraine. A vote for Tom Emmer is a vote to send us off a financial cliff. A vote for Tom Emmer is a vote for open borders. A vote for Tom Emmer is a vote for the radical ESG BlackRock policies. A vote for Tom Emmer is a vote for the Jack Smith investigation. And a vote for Tom Emmer is a vote for the Uniparty. There you go. Any of those are what you should be calling and telling your members of Congress. That's 202-225-3121. Let's talk about that for a second. I'm getting two conflicting messages. I hear the mainstream media and Fox are that the pressure campaign has a work. New Gingrich, everybody's saying the pressure campaign has work, has been counterproductive. And then I hear the inside baseball. They say they absolutely fear every day coming to work because they have their constituents calling them on fire with the facts, with the details, with the receipts. Should the Warren Posse continue to make sure that their voices are heard by the representatives, or should they just back off? I can't speak to if it's counterproductive or productive. All I can speak to it is it is our First Amendment protected right and our duty as constituents to tell our members of Congress 
what we want and to vocalize that. So I think we should absolutely keep going, but I don't think it's counterproductive as evidenced by, we do not have Speaker Kevin McCarthy anymore. I think a large part of that has to do with the war room posse. As evidenced by Tom Emmer on his knees calling anyone in Trump world and Donald Trump begging, begging, begging to please back off. Oh, I actually like you. I don't know if you saw today. He hung some like picture of Trump in his office and then leaked the picture to Jake Sherman to put out on his Twitter page on like, you know, Punchable Social, whatever website he has. Like that's a level of desperation. That is because the war room posse is calling their members of Congress and saying, over my dead body, are you doing this? So I absolutely think it's working. I do think you should be respectful and nice when, when you talk. And I actually think the people who aren't are actually agitators, just like we saw on January 6th, where they plant folks in to call and leave mean voicemails like that, because everyone I've ever met in the war room posse are truly the most wonderful Christian, God-fearing patriots I've ever met. Uh, you're allowed to be a little upset, though. I'm a little upset with Congress. I'm a little upset with uh, the way my representatives have been behaving. So I absolutely think people should keep going. Give constructive feedback. Give the reasons why you oppose someone or give the reasons why you think they should vote one way or someone they should vote for. But yes, we absolutely deserve to have our voices heard because I tell you what, you know, if you're not calling, you know who is calling? The lobbyists in D.C. That's who control these members of Congress. Every single night they leave right now and they go out to dinner. They go to Joe Stonecrab. They go to Capitol Grill with these lobbyists who just dangle the pack money in front of them and say, this is why you have to vote for this person because he's going to get the money into our account, whether or not it's big pharma, big banks, these corporations, that is how DC works. So I'm sorry that they have to get a couple of calls to their district office or their DC office. And it's not, it's not a couple, it's like 20,000, it's epic. But that's the way democracy is supposed to work or our constitutional republic is a better way to say it. And so I'm, I'm very glad we're doing it. Keep it up. This victory has been, I just want to put in perspective so that the, uh, the audience understands their historical, their historic role here. Within, with Emmer's defeat tomorrow or the next day, we will have decapitated leadership in three and a half weeks. <laughs> you've taken out a Speaker of the House, you've thwarted a majority leader to rise to the Speaker of the House, and then you will have thwarted a, a whip. And I hate that you got to throw Jim, although Jim Jordan, and by the way, McCarthy's hands in the back a lot of this. Don't, don't get me wrong. The specter of McCarthy, that's what we're trying to put down in, in, in McCarthy's uh, reign of terror up here. But uh, it's pretty Paxton. historic what this audience has done. We also did that, done. too. Oh, yeah, Paxton with it. That was a huge victory that just started. That's, I think that really set the fire off to start all of this. 100%, because it was against all odds. We, we had nothing. Yep. Just You had Ken Paxton, and I was visiting with Ken at the, at the CPAC strategy session. Um, and by the way, just to remind you, I don't know if it's gone off, but Matt Schlapp has made an announcement. Four days for a hundred bucks. We'll get if you got Charlie Kirk's in December and then coming in uh end of February, beginning of March CPAC, in those ninety days we will set the framework for the launch into twenty twenty four like never before. I couldn't be more excited about both of these. So it's gonna be just absolutely terrific. They're gonna be incredible. And I the the team, the strategy team that that uh that uh, Matt and uh Mercy put together was just incredible, and I know they got a tremendous response. Uh, I want to just go through tonight. Tonight at 6.30, starting in a few minutes, they're all going to gather. They're going to make their pitches. There's nine of them, uh, nine individuals. Uh, tomorrow morning, they're going to come back and vote with the anonymous vote starting at 9 in the morning and going all through a bunch of rounds. To, I guess they get a designee uh, that's got at least the majority, and then they'll go to the floor. What's your sense right now of how do you think this is going to play out? And what should be, particularly, what should the Warren be looking for? 
I think that they will tonight. They're going to have their kind of uh, forum. It's behind closed doors. It's giving me so much um, PTSD from the RNC race because it was very similar to that. It was just a select few getting to vote. They do. They wouldn't do any public debates. They actually, Rana would never even debate uh, Harmeet in public or in private. And so then, from that, I think I think tomorrow morning in the secret vote they're going to struggle. But I think Tom Emmer actually will probably come out of the majority there. And then I don't think they'll actually bring it to the floor because I know for certain that there are five or six holdouts that absolutely will not vote for Tom Emmer. So how embarrassing! He is the whip. His job is to literally be able to count votes. And so if he brings his own name to the floor and then loses, I mean, come on, like that's kind of poetic. I'm not, I hope he does. I actually think it'd be a beautiful thing to watch. I'd be watching with a glass of champagne. Hold, hold it, H hang um, on. You you think you think he's actually going to get to the majority and be the designee? But they're not going to bring that to the floor. They're going to say there's going to be. A, I I think there's 15 or 20 hard nose. Right. But you're I, saying I at too. least five or six. You just have to have so, lose so, five and votes, you're thinking, right? Like you, yeah, are, are, floor, hold it. Are, are, are you predicting that he would win the majority, he would be the designee, but they wouldn't even bring that up to vote because they know they have enough hard nose that they wouldn't make any progress? That's exactly what I think. Like, his job is to know the votes. He knows he doesn't have the votes, but, like, he's vain enough probably still to allow his name to be in the vote tomorrow, and they think that they can switch some. And, you know, yeah, don't put a pass up. Maybe he can, but I think that there is at least – five hard no's. I, I, I think you are right that it's closer to 10 to 15. Uh, you know, but you have to remember that they're all in the swamp, D.C. right now, and all the lobbying culture, everyone comes in over the next two days. But I don't think, you, like, if, I, if I'm if i Tom Emmer, I certainly don't bring my name to the floor as the whip and then lose the vote. Like, that's the most humiliating thing I can ever imagine. It's exactly what is going to happen. I do think in the secret vote is, I do think he can get half the conference to be able to vote for him um, in a secret ballot. But it's different when you have to put your name down on there, which is the vote on the House floor and so i do think that they will end up voting for him come out and then have to go back into conference and this will just go on and on and every day that it goes on frankly is another day that we don't fund the ukraine war so that's good news in my opinion keep going like i know let you're not, keep you're not this out. i notice I, I notice you haven't panicked you're not like fox news where they're they're wringing their hands and we got to get a resolution on hamas Hey, Hamas knows we're against them, and the Israelis know we're for them. So we don't need a resolution. This is the kind of nonsense they're running around. Hamas is just you, waiting you're not for Tom Emmer this. to sign a resolution, and then, oh, okay, we're not going to behead babies anymore, and we have this resolution from Tom Emmer. Doesn't, doesn't, um, isn't the fact that he could possibly win tomorrow, become the designee on the anonymous vote, show you how many uh, hardcore never-Trumpers they are? It's the same thing with... With Jordan on the floor, I think Jim Jordan had 20 and it got up to 22 or 25. When they went behind closed doors, all of a sudden he had 112. There were 90 who didn't have the courage to go against President Trump who endorsed him. But with an anonymous vote, they'll do it in a second. Are we going to unmask more people tomorrow, the real hardcore never Trumpers? Because if you back Emmer, you're a never Trumper. There can't be any other right. way around it. I mean, given his track record, right? So do you think that these, do you think they're too gutless to come forward? Yeah, they're gutless. And that's what I'm saying. The secret vote, he'll get a majority of them. The only like person I really think at this point who can get the full majority of a vote would be a, a little pack of pudding or jello, because that seems to be uh, the favorite thing of members of Congress at this point. And they're the medium age. I don't even know. I, the medium age has got to be like 70. They're, this is why we need term limits of these people. They weren't brought in during the Trump age. They hate Trumpism. They hate everything it stands for. They hate that we, the people, are even involved in their votes or decision-making right now. This is why they hate the phone calls. They've been able to just skate for so long, go to Washington, D.C., say one thing, come back, you know, 
three months before the election every two years and go to a couple of uh, like district events and backyard picnics and say that they stand with you and fight with you. And then they carpet bomb your television with TV ads saying that they're true conservatives and fighters the last three months of an election with your hard-earned money that you donate to them. Then they go to D.C. the other 15 months and just vote against the will of everything that you want. This is how Congress is. It's almost out of tradition now. So of course he's going to get a majority on the on the secret vote. I mean, come on. But I, I do think there's going to be some people, at least 10, that stand up and vote no for Emmer on the floor. But again, it's like being the tallest midget in Congress. I'm not really going to like celebrate anyone for doing what 90% of the will of the people are wanting. Caroline, how can people, what's your social media? How do people follow you uh, tonight and tomorrow? I know you're going to have a lot of commentary. People understand this is a very fluid situation. That's why 202-225-3121. If you want to notify your congressman that you would appreciate if they supported a pro-Trump uh, candidate and not the never-Trumper Tom Emmer, um, you ought to call and make sure that your voice is heard. Also, the local offices. The local offices actually sometimes may even have more of an impact. Because yeah, uh, back home is where they really sweat it. Uh, so Caroline, where do they get you? Social media, website, all of it. Sure, it's at Caroline Wren on True Social, Getter, and Twitter. Caroline, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Be following you, you tonight. We now know to schedule Caroline in the afternoon, particularly when the show's done live in Vegas on the early Saturday morning. Okay, um, this fight. Remember, we're going to have Beatty in here in a second. He's got an article, one of these ones that revolver breaks, that when I read it, my head blows up. And that's where I called Darren and said, you got to come on right away. Don't wait till tomorrow. This fight uh, is uh, about money and power. It's in the trenches. It's been nasty. It's been ugly. And you've been winning. That's what they hate about it. Think about it. We have a $7 trillion uh, budget. That's where they're going to appropriate and spend. Less than $5 trillion in revenue. So we already had a $2 trillion deficit this year. We got to finance. They lied to you about that. It's going to be worse next year because the interest expense is going to be higher. I've said it on the show first. It'll be over a trillion dollars this year, not six or $700 billion. It'll be over a trillion dollars when all said and done, when we calculate it next year at this time. Um, so this is about money and power. And, and on top of that, up in your grill, they put forward a $100 billion supplemental. We haven't even got the whole package of the $840 billion in defense, you add, uh, you add the, the intelligence, it's a trillion dollars for defense and, and intelligence, national security. Add DHS, you know, it's $1.2 trillion. Just all this, it's, it's, it's out of control. They put a supplemental, and he gets on TV and spends all his time talking about Ukraine, $16.80 billion into the money laundering operation. $60 to $80 billion on top of the one twenty we put in. You have $200 billion in Ukraine. There's money for Israel, a little taste to, to really just a taste of Israel, like $10 billion, a taste of Taiwan, and then $14 billion on the southern border. But it turns out that that's just all processing money. That money's just all processing the invaders to get deeper in the country. And now Darren Beatty, uh, Darren Beatty's got it that, uh, that um, it, with this issue about the pa refugees and, and the Palestinians and people coming over here, this is something Miller and I fought with Darren Beatty in the White House from day one. I think our first year in 17, I'm not sure we took any refugees. It was under 25,000. And the reason we had, we had a nightmare that we took over and it had to be sorted out. And remember, Mill and I worked on, he's the chief architect. I was kind of his wingman. Uh, and President Trump was the driving force of it. But the uh, travel ban stood up in the Supreme Court of the United States as we said it would. It was done properly and we never had a terrorist attack behind it. 
Darren Beatty, your story about who is running the show here and what we can expect on the refugee side with the Palestinians has got my head blown up. Walk me through what you found, sir. Well, you know, it's very troubling because there's been a lot of recent talk about the prospect of resettling uh, Palestinian refugees within the American interior. And in fact, one of the highest IQ congressmen, marginally higher than our, our pal Emmer, uh, his name is Jamal Bowman. I think we've heard of him recently because he was the genius who, quote unquote, accidentally tipped off a fire alarm when he was trying to open a door. That gives you, I mean, it's, it's either a ridiculous excuse or if it's true, it's probably even more embarrassing for him. But among his um, brilliant ideas is to bring in swaths of Palestinian refugees. He mentioned that recently. And of course, there is a recent controversy about this individual, Nejwa Ali. It just recently came out. She was a Homeland Security official who had worked for the Palestinian organization. Interesting connections there. And so this piece of revolver.news does a really deep dive into both the personnel and the political economy of the refugee resettlement scam. And what we've found is there are a number of people involved in a number of institutions, but one of the primary culprits is this Lutheran organization run by an individual called Krishanti Vingaharaja who, as you might imagine, is not Lutheran and not Christian. It just um, rings. But... It rings. It rings German. <laughs> so it's, right, by right, the way, you not... can't, if you, hold it, hold it, Beatty. If you were pitching this in Hollywood, I'd have thrown you out already. It's too ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But this no, is it's... how they're up in your grill. This is how no, you're up in poor Lutherans in their second collection. They're given, they got the, they got the Muslim Brotherhood running the deal. No, it's it's amazing. And this individual happens to be of Sri Lankan extraction. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you look at her um, pedigree and her resume, it really just reinforces the sense that the people in charge with redistributing the refugees are completely insane and completely malicious in their behavior and their intention. She worked for Hillary Clinton at the State Department. Then moved on to work for the State Department, and then her career in government culminated as a chief of, chief of staff for the big kahuna herself, none other than Michelle Obama. And uh, then she goes from there to lead this Lutheran refugee resettlement organization, which is incidentally responsible for resettling Ilhan Omar's family into the United States. So there are a lot of interesting connections here. But if you go through the full article, you'll see the economics and the dirty details of how this organization operates. I think it's worth saying, though, um, for the audience that the fact that she worked at the State Department under Hillary is really crucial because it really illustrates the scam going on here. Because, of course, it was Hillary Clinton through her foreign policy at the State Department, both in Syria and in Libya, that did a great deal to create the refugee crisis in the first place. So you have a revolving door not only between government and the private sector in these refugee resettlement NGOs, but you have this perverse revolving door of State Department foreign policy 
that through a disaster after foreign policy blunder creates refugees. And then you have these NGOs that take it upon themselves to resettle the refugees in the interior of the United States. So it's a very vicious, very poisonous cycle. And the professional biographer, um, Krishanti, I think really kind of recapitulates everything that is but, wrong but, with but, this. But here, here's, here's, here's why the articles, here, here's why this article is so important. And if Grace and Moe and Carly Bonet over at midnight, I need everybody to read this because it's a great summary piece in analysis and investigation. This country is about to be torn apart on something that 10 or 20 years ago, and I keep telling my, my Jewish colleagues, I say, hey, you're, 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 you guys are missing something quite fundamental. I've never seen an explosion, right, of quite, not anti-Semitism, I mean, hatred, Jewish hatred in the streets of America by these groups that have gotten here, a lot of it by the refugee resettlement program and are now festering sores inside the United States of America. People haven't caught on to this. This is going to be, you're going to start to see protests, particularly as they go into Gaza and actually start to do some military operations. I want to go back. I got a couple minutes here. I'd like to keep you through the break. The mindset of the people, whether it's Catholic charities or the Lutheran refugees, their mindset about refugees, their mindset, and, and this is the Clinton White House, the Global Initiative, they, they are borderless society people. They, they think the refugees have every right to every right an American citizen has. They think these refugees are equal to or better than American citizens. Am I wrong in that analysis, Darren Beatty? No, you're not wrong at all. Um, but I think that doesn't even capture how malicious it really is. Because when you look at the pattern of distribution, these are very clearly distributed in a deliberate way so as to maximally punish the political enemies of the people doing the resettling. These, you know, they've done it to Minnesota, they've done it to Michigan, they've done it to Maine. Um, this is a very clear and deliberate strategy in terms of not only the numbers and the types, but location of where the refugees themselves are distributed. And in many ways, they've entirely reshaped communities um, beyond recognition in a lot of these enclaves. For instance, you know, the, the most notorious might be the Dearborn, Michigan, where you saw that recent pro I tell you what, we're going to go to commercial break. Let's reboot uh, Darren in that. We just lost him right there. This is very important. When he says malicious is the targeting of where these refugee resettlements go, whether it's uh, Minneapolis, whether it's Maine, whether it's Michigan, we're going to get into all that. This is a quite a big topic that we've got to expose. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. We want to make sure everybody goes to birchgold.com. Check it out. Find out why gold's been a hedge for 5,000 years. Talk to Philip Patrick and the team, particularly with the bond and stock market on fire. Last month, back the, the G20 announced a plan to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective populations. No, I'm not making that up. That is a fact. Central bank digital currencies essentially allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. Let that sink in for a second. 
In essence, they enable the government to take more control over your personal finances. Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold 2. But learn for yourself. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and they'll send you a free info kit on gold. The easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer if you have an IRA or 401k from a previous employer just gathering dust, Birch Gold can help you convert it into IRA into gold. And you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text Bannon to 989898. Claim your free info kit on gold. Then call Birch. Because if digital currency becomes a reality, and trust me, they're on the path to make it so, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. It's only worked for 5,000 years of mankind's history. Let Birch Gold work for you. Bannon, 989898, text it right now. Are you prepared for the unthinkable ahead? We all need to pray for the best, but prepare for the worst. That means stockpiling emergency food before it's too late. Right now, go purchase a three-month emergency food kit from MyPatriotSupply.com. This is the nation's leader in self-reliance. Order your today by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Every family member needs their own kit when disaster strikes. These three-month kits from MyPatriotSupply.com give you an abundance of delicious meals, providing over 2,000 calories a day. You'll have plenty to eat when everyone else is scavenging empty store shelves. Stock up now because you won't get a warning when disaster hits. Order by 3 o'clock today, and your order ships the same day for free. The unthinkable can happen at a moment's notice. So don't wait for a crisis to hit. Prepare today and become self-reliant no matter what the future holds. And remember to pray. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. Use your agency. Action, action, action. I am the last person on earth to nag you about your diet. I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't. And you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable and field of greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust field of greens to help me stay healthy. Field of greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take field of greens. Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy. You'll look better. You'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. 
Do it today. Action, action, action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Yeah, I want to, when you're talking to your broker or your financial advisor and you're talking about that bond portfolio, remember all the illusions were shattered over the weekend. We've been telling you this for months, doing the numbers for you, but finally the uh, Murdoch's uh, tout sheet for Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal, your, your investment strategy is broken. Your investment strategy. They've only been preaching this from every business school in Wall Street, every firm for, I don't know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 60% equity, 40% bonds. What they never told you is that those bonds, those government bonds, may not trade at face amount with the explosion in interest rates. You may only get 50 cents on the dollar if you got to cash them out. That's why you've got to go now more than ever. It's not just learning about de-dollarization, the end of the dollar empire, all the material we've been putting out for the last couple of years. With Birch Gold, we're not Johnny come latelys to this. We've been talking about it for two years and putting out the installments so that you can read and uh, and start to understand really the basics of populist economics. The first installment goes all the way back to the founding of this republic. Talks about Alexander Hamilton. Talks about Henry Clay. Talks about the American system. Talks about the great populist, the first populist, General Andrew Jackson and his fights against central banks, William Jennings Bryan, all of it, the politics of money. That's what we told you we would come full circle. That's what these fights are. This is fights on Capitol Hill. Just keep it in perspective. What you have achieved has been historic. You have decapitated the cartel's leadership. And when I mean that, their staffs, their relationships, the Jeff Millers of the world, all these lobbyists and operatives that work with them, McCarthy out, Scalise out, Jordan essentially back to judiciary out, Tom Emmer still to go. That's the four top guys, all gone. De- total decapitation on the cartel, and they don't like it. In fact, they hate it. That's what this fight's about. And the fight's about getting some rationality in the system, this financial system we're running in the country, which is out of control to the benefit of the elites. Go check out Birch Gold. Go there and talk to Phil Patrick and the team, and they'll get you set up and give you. We just want to immerse you in information. We don't give financial advice on the show, but a lot of people, including hedge funds, Watch the macro uh, analysis we do on the show a lot about where they should place big bets. And I'm telling you right now, this is as scary as it's ever been in the United States of America financially. Because the capital markets, I'm telling you, are upside down. And quite frankly, there's, there's no prospect of how we're going to stop this spending. When they're in your face, and when Biden from the Oval Office the other day was the m- worst speech of a sitting president ever from the Oval Office. Up in your grill about another hundred billion dollars on when he hasn't had the common decency to come and discuss with you the strategy in Ukraine, the strategy in Israel, strategy even in the South China Sea, much less the the, the southern border. And now you've got you've got uh, Darren Beatty with his amazing article on um, on Revolver. This refugee resettlement is going to be huge. I have been a big advocate. The other day they spent a hundred million dollars. In 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 uh, in uh, in Palestine, in Palestine, nothing in East Palestine, Ohio, a hundred million dollars to buy off uh, Hamas for a couple of days of the money they asked for the other day. As you remember on the show this morning, three point six billion dollars is to go to Hamas in Gaza, three point six billion of your money. And we're on every side of the trade in the Middle East right now. Uh, Darren, people's heads are blown up already because I keep saying we're, we shouldn't put one penny to resettlement. This should be Jordan's problem 
in Egypt's problem. We shouldn't take one refugee from that area, not one. And certainly, I don't think we should pay for any. The King of Jordan's got plenty of money. They got money stashed away in the Swiss banks. The Egyptian, LCC, these guys, they, they've been skimming money. They got money everywhere. We shouldn't pay for, for one of it, not one. They should go to the Saudis and get some of those oil fields and let them pay for it. What organizations should people be particularly uh, wary of that have this malicious intent to destroy our country in using refugees to do that? Well, there are a number of organizations. Um, in fact, there are nine that have direct relationship with the government to resettle refugees and get a lot of money from the government. Um, and I think most of us know about the Catholic charities and their involvement. But this particular bombshell article at Revolver um, highlighting the role of this former Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama figure who's spearheading the refugee resettlement from the Lutheran side um, really highlights the role specifically of the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services Organization, LIRS. They've done tremendous amounts of damage to the United States through their various projects. As I mentioned, they're responsible for resettling Ilhan Omar's family. So that alone, I think, puts them at a at an extreme deficit, but they've done so much more. And with this Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, State Department hack at the helm, these are the people chomping at the bit to resettle Palestinians, possibly Hamas, into a neighborhood near you. So it's very important to get the word out there about these nefarious actors and what they're doing to the country. Darren, I haven't had a chance to, 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 to have you on in, in a while. I know you've been doing a lot of the stuff with uh, Natalie, but how concerned are you right now about this geopolitical situation we have, and particularly with the southern border being open for invasion right now? Well, the, the entire thing is precarious. It's precarious in every possible domain that you could um, you could look. And of course, given everything that's happening around the world, it's not exactly a comforting fact that our border security has never been worse. I mean, there's stories and, you know, it used to be, okay, you're thinking about third world pouring in and that's still the case. But now it's like people are coming in from everywhere. And, you know, people, I think, have seen this of recent documentaries about the Darien Gap and all the people making this trek. They are coming from everywhere. There is no vetting whatsoever. Anyone who wants to come, they fly into Latin America and they take the same route that, you know, the Mexicans and all the other Latin Americans have traditionally taken. This is an absolute free for all. And it's hard to imagine how this is sustainable for any much longer. Darren, how do they get to you on social media? How do they everybody get to uh, to Revolver? It's got to be part of your daily news and information diet. Where do they go? Revolver.news. We have this piece, and we're coming up to inaugurate a major series that will chronicle the collapse of our ability to maintain complex systems um, in this country. So that should be very interesting, and we're going to explore that first in the domain of aviation. And what we've found is truly shocking and disturbing. So stay tuned for the first in that series. We're covering the whole geopolitical situation and, of course, domestic politics as well. By the way, I love uh, Carolyn Wren. She did a great job uh, spelling out just why Emmer would be such a disaster. And frankly, the concept of him is a joke. 
It's a joke. It's a t- you're right. Even the concept of it. <laughs> Darren Beatty, thank you. And thank you guys over at Revolver for working so hard. It's one of my favorite sites. Fantastic. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I want to get Dave Walsh in here. Here's this deal. So this deal gets done. And this morning on Bloomberg, they're talking about the, instead of going out in Chevron, uh, they're spending $60 billion. So instead of going out and doing additional drilling or going to the Permian Basin or doing other things, they're buying the, the assets from Hess, which I guess is principally in Ghana. And although with all the political and geopolitical risk, it's worth it. And they keep making this statement, this concept, because the transition is happening so quickly and the transition is happening. And in 20 years, the transition is going to be here. So what I want you to, to, to help me out here is the energy transition that you come in here all the time and say, hey, this can't possibly happen because the actual underlying science and engineering of it is so far from how you would run an advanced industrial society. When they describe this, this blockbuster acquisition today, all they were talking about, all they were talking about was, oh, they did it to get these resources because it makes a lot more sense than going to Australia and doing a 10-year, 20-year project that you don't know is ever going to get off the ground if you have massive cost overruns or to even come online. Is the energy transition that locked into people's brains, the senior executives, that it's going to happen, whether it's beneficial or not, in the next 20 years? Bloomberg story, Steve, a lot of the uh, the um, back channel and open analysis of Yahoo Media and this guy that runs the uh, fossil fuel tank, the anti-fossil fuel tank called Follow This, Mark Van Ball is claiming Chevron is betting on the failure of the Paris Climate Agreement. The uh, Yahoo analysts are claiming, well, this uh, transition to green energy is taking longer now, cost of labor materials high, therefore maybe a decade before we get this transition done. They're beginning to equivocate to, to the reality that there's no, there's no transition underway that makes sense except for the use of more oil and gas. And that's simply because, you know, all of the wind and solar we're talking about, on average, solar 20% of the time only leaves 80% void for something else, aka natural gas and oil. Wind operates 37% of the time, aka leaves 65% of the time. The reciprocal that one needs gas and oil, coal, nuclear. So the average of the two, the best case, mathematically, big picture, you'd get to maybe 25, 27% dependence for electrification only on wind and solar, meaning the whole reciprocal of the time needs to be something else fungible. And we've kind of all decided wrongly that that's not gonna be coal, therefore 20% nuclear, the rest has to be gas and oil for the indefinite future, not just the next 10 years, but the next 50 to 100 years. The reciprocal of the time that these renewables don't operate has to be gas and oil. So what these guys have gone ahead and done, two acquisitions, big ones, in the last month. Yeah, M&A is up $139 billion. $126 billion of it has been in the oil and gas sector. Thank God our American enterprises, Exxon did Pioneer two weeks ago, mainly penetrating further into the Bakken and uh, especially the Permian. This deal takes uh, Chevron into the Guiana find, which today is 350,000 barrels a day, is going to grow to a million barrels a day. They take a 30% position, again, in a Western field that's now being underproduced. So you're talking about, in both cases, the Exxon deal, maybe upwards of 2 million more barrels per day coming out of the Permian. 
from that deal of, yeah, advancing production in the known field. It's not really inventory. It's advancing production in a known field. The Guiana is so, much better. So, I just, can, so I, hang on. Yeah. I just want to I just want to understand this from you. Then the Bloomberg and it was Alex Steele, who I think is one of the best in the in the business. When they were talking about this morning on, on the on the on the early show, the dawn show. Her saying this re- reinforces that the transition's coming in 10 or 20 years, and the executives know that. You're saying the analysis that come out later today, they're actually coming out to the fact that this is actually showing we're not going to be doing this shift to sustainable energy uh, that quickly. That this is a, rea- this is a, a reality the exactly. executives understand, and that's why they want to get more, they want to get more um, immediate production today. Is that the takeaway? But- Yes, by mid-afternoon, the mantra had turned around to, well, you know, this transition is a little slower, more difficult, yeah, a lot more costly than we thought. So it looks like maybe we've got a longer time horizon on the transition fuels, mainly natural gas and oil. That, so that's, I mean, they're massively equivocating on that this thing, the reality, I, I believe strongly, and th- I mean, these are big, big amounts of money by sophisticated companies betting heavily on a long-term future strength of oil and gas. These guys are betting with BRICS, with China, with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Russia uh, on the fact that oil and gas are the future for the world for the next 50 to 100 years. These are huge bets between two companies, 120 billion. Now, both stock stock deals, but you know that's uh, their, their equity values are way up. And now indicative that they're not Is gonna there- make moves buying into Europe, those companies have been crushed in the equity markets because of their attempted transitions of Shell BP into renewables that haven't worked for them. Just in the renewables, just last question before I let you go. Is there, you got solar, you have wind, since natural gas is still considered carbon, is there any possibility on the sustainables or the renewables that nuclear doesn't play a massive role in that? Well, it's, it's playing a larger role in the in the lesser developed South. We've got 52 nuclear reactors being built in the world, only only four in the West. One more in Vogel, two more in Europe. All the rest of them are in the in China, India, Japan, and the rest of the rest of the world. Nuclear um, might grow in this country. It's going to be flat the next uh, the next 10 years. It takes 10 to 12 years, 15 years to build these plants. In China, it's growing. In India, it's growing. In Japan, it's going to be growing. Um, over here, no, because of the length of time it now takes to erect. Vogel's been under construction for 20 years. Finally, the first unit was commercialized about three months ago. The one in France has been under construction in Flamanville for 24 years. The skills are gone. The company ability, in the case of Framato and over here, uh, Westinghouse, and the contractors that have been involved in that site, uh, have not been able to execute because of regulatory issues and lack of experience left in the workforce to build these plants. So no, that that's could be important, but at the pace of progress, nuclear is badly retarded. So, I mean, we're gonna be massively dependent on oil and gas for the reason I mentioned. The reciprocal of time that renewables don't work, which is 70% of the time between the two big ones, they don't operate. You're left with, fortunately, natural gas. We've overdeveloped. We've got a future. Chevron and Exxon in the last month have made huge bets on that, and that that's a good thing. And that so the the the, uh, the media is beginning to backfill on the real storyboard. Hey, this renewable thing is uh, maybe uh, 
yeah, maybe it's going to take longer. Wow. It looks like wow. it's going to be more costly. They're 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 yeah. coming around, but this is going to be a Dave slow. Walsh. <laughs> Dave, Dave Walsh, they got to watch you. I'm going to start sending them their clips. You've been on this from day one. Walsh, where do we get to all your content on social media, brother? You you are you are the tip of the tip of the spear on this. And I mentioned just the other quick thing, Chevron stock price down a little bit today because this acquisition is dilutive to them. They're buying 8.1 EBITDA multiple compared to their own at 6.2. So, of course, their stock drops a little bit. That's normal. You you know that as well as anybody in the world, how yeah. that works. It's not about this is yeah. a bad thing. And uh, get a hold of me on Getter at Dave Walsh Energy. Thank you, Steve. Well, they'll show, hopefully they'll start showing people the the synergies here. They have, I don't think they really did a good job of promoting this deal. It's almost like they were ashamed about it. It was kind of weird. That's Dave Walsh, heavy, thank you, sir. Yeah, heavy development in the West. Guiana, Bakken, Permian, heavy Dave. development in the West. Great. Bye-bye, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Obviously, you're going to go check out Birch Gold. Two other things I want you to do. Home title lock. Make sure you're not going to be – you are not going to be taking a second mortgage on your home anytime soon. Why? Because the rates to, – to redo the kitchen, the rates are through the roof. Make sure the cyber criminals, particularly with they're matched up with AI right now, they're looking at $6 trillion sitting in American homes. That's the equity that's buried in American homes right now. It's 80 or 90% of your net worth. You ain't going to be taken out a second. Make sure the bad guys aren't either. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and find out how you can thwart the cyber criminals for getting into your, uh, getting into your uh, title and getting a second mortgage from a hard money lender on it. So go check it out today, Home Title Lock. Also, Jace Medical. The guys that took Rosemary Gibson's book, they understood unrestricted warfare and said, hey, the Chinese Communist Party have complete total control of the supply chains for medical, uh, for, for everything dealing with your medicines, particularly active pharmaceutical ingredients, and nobody's doing anything about it. They did, Dr. Sean and the team. Go check it out. Go check it out today, jessemedical.com. Immerse yourself in information. Remember, it's not just building an alternative patriot economy. Is to make sure that you're prepared for anything that comes your way because you need to be in the fight. And what is that fight? That fight is every day right here in the fight club we call the war room. And you are changing history. You're making history. You are a force to be reckoned with. The number is 202-225-3121. Even as we speak, they're making their pitches up there at the Capitol. Tomorrow we come back, 9 a.m. They're going to start again till noon. We'll be reporting it all live here in the war room, 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, tomorrow till noon and then we'll have the afternoon show obviously but a lot going on uh the world's on fire we'll try to break it down to you make sure you go to check out revolver caroline wren social media laura loomer particularly tonight a lot going to be going on we'll be back here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning honored to have you on the show see you then folks let me tell you about salty it's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. 
That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.